What'll it be, stranger? That young man. What's his name? That's Tintin. You're listening to the Hollywood Saloon. Saloon Shots, Round 23. The Adventures of Tintin is a series of classic comic books created by the Belgian artist Georges Remy. Excuse uh, bad pronunciation there. Who wrote under the pen name of Herge or Herger something. The series is one of the most popular European comics of the 20th century, with translations published in more than 80 languages and more than 350 million copies of the books sold to date. Its popularity around the world has been attributed to its universal appeal and its ability to transcend time, language, and culture. The publication dates were from 1929 to 1976. So how did we miss it? I knew about it. I have seen it before somewhere. As a kid, I saw some 1010 somewhere, and I think it was a comic. And I do not remember exactly where it is that I saw it, but I remember it. I've known about it. But, you know, I mean, come on. In the United States, we were all about Spider-Man and Superman and Batman and the Hulk. You know, in our little in our little world of, of superheroes, we were very much uh, pulled away from this kind of a whole world uh, uh, idea of this uh, really popular character. Well, we also had the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. True. The interesting thing is, is that... Uh, uh, really, now, we're looking at the production of this film and what's going on uh, with this film directed by Steven Spielberg. And uh, I read that Spielberg really kind of latched onto this sometime in the 80s. And uh, even not knowing what it was or being having the ability to read it, being in French or whatever language it was in, he still took a liking to it. Uh, likewise, I also read that there was some uh, live-action versions of this in different countries. And uh, I also read that the author of 1010 had said uh, he thought Steven Spielberg would be the person that could bring this to life because, you know, it kind of would resembled like a, a kid version of Indiana Jones. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe George Lucas was inspired by that. Um Sometime and Indiana Jones became a version of this kind of a crime-solving, adventuring young man. Uh, uh, we don't know about that, but uh, at the very least, we know it's been out there for a long time. It's been out there for a long time in the world, and that's what we're talking about here today. This is all about the world and not about the United States. This is what I found interesting is it opens overseas October 26th. It doesn't open up here until, what, December 21st? When was the last film that you remember that opened up that much earlier overseas that was a big film by a major director like that? Right, yeah. I I maybe heard of a couple days before uh, here and there, uh, but a not— A week, may, yeah. a month maybe, but this is a big lead-in. Well, and I think that's that's obvious. I think this is all about recognition. We are. This is all about the times we live in. This is all about branding, and here we have a brand that is a world brand. This is not as a a brand that a lot of people in the United States are familiar with. I'm sure some are, but this is not an instant thing. I mean, this is not you know like you know when they say Spider Man, it's like ding ding ding. Everyone knows this is a whole new thing. Um, I mean, this is even open. I, I read that this is even opening in Latin America and India on October 26th as well. So this is—it's almost like they're they're building it up around the world before 
they bring it to the U.S. And I guarantee you that has everything to do with brand recognition. This brings up uh, something I've been finding humorous talking to different people about 1010 and even finding myself slipping into and just sort of having to slap myself. But this whole idea of like, I've never heard of 1010. Why do I want to see this? And it's like, oh, what is it? Oh, I don't know what it is. And why is Spielberg doing that? And why would I be interested in that? And it's almost as like, do you not remember that you didn't know anything about Indiana Jones either before you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? You didn't know anything about Ghostbusters. That didn't stop you from going to see that movie or Star Wars or any number of <laughs> movies. It's just the flip that we've had in 30 years is we had no problem about just going in and seeing something that we didn't know what it was about, that wasn't pre-sold to us, that wasn't branded, that wasn't known commodity. We were just willing to take chances on movies and hope that they were good, um, especially if they had movie stars in it and other elements like action and explosions and all that. But now Nowadays, it's like if it's not a brand, people are like, I don't know. And I just find that odd in a, in a sort of a brainwashing way how the culture reacts that way. Because why should anyone in America react to Tintin any differently than they would any other type of character that's just finally coming to the big screen that maybe they never heard of? Well, I think, I think you have to look at, at some certain elements here. Number one, first and foremost, is the names that are attached to this thing. I mean, Steven well, Spielberg. Well, that should even draw it more, right? Spielberg well, and Peter Jackson? Well, that's what I'm saying. Are you kidding? Is that when, you, when you bring names like that to the table, two giants of the industry, you, know, uh, you, you say to yourself, well, what are these guys spending their time on? Uh, why are these guys interested in this? And when you hear that it, this is a previous property, you like, well, they must have had a big love for this. Well, I don't see what I missed it. What is this? Thing? What are they all in love with? I think that's it is we're out of the circle. If this was a live action film, would this be a problem? Or is it the particular animation and the mocap and that particular capturing no, I don't. I don't think so. I think with anything, if you if you bring something like this, a brand that, that was supposed to be a brand that we don't know is a brand, uh, to the table, there's always going to be the question of uh, what is this? What is this going to mean to me? And it really doesn't. I don't. I don't think it really matters if it's live action or animated. Do you like the idea of the fact that they chose to animate it and make it look exactly like the comic, and trying to be faithful to the designs and the look, much how Watchmen did and. And other things. That's the big question, isn't it? Is is that anytime anything is adapted, we always say, are they going to do their own thing, or are they going to try to be faithful to the original? I think anytime you have people like Spielberg and Peter Jackson, they're going to try to remain uh, faithful to what they fell in love with, and not try to sell you something totally off base. I mean, remember, like when Super Mario Brothers came out, and everyone was like, "What the hell is this?" You know, it's like it's like the brand was so far off on the vision they were trying to sell. I mean, obviously, that's something that probably should have never been even attempted in live action. Uh, but it was so off base that people were like, "This is this is not Super Mario Brothers. This is you know even even if you're trying to do it in live action and failing, they were doing stuff that was really you know." Uh, off base, you know, that was like this cartoony, sure, well, cartoony. But but it's it wasn't even in line with the comp with the game. It wasn't like they were creating they were creating an entirely different story um, and spin on those characters and taking them into an entirely different world. Again, a hard as hell topic to try to put into live action. But um, 
Uh, well, that doesn't seem to be Tintin's problem, though. Tintin seems to have the blueprints and, and tons of stories already set up and ready to go. Right. And like you said, it's already been attempted in live action, and certainly this is the latest technology. And it's probably a good idea to talk about how new this is for someone like Steven Spielberg. This is a new playground for him to go to work in and sort of uh, stretch his muscles as a filmmaker. From what I understand, he's dropped in and visited this uh, way to shop to where, of course, all the actors are all dressed in their dots and their blue suits, and there's the 100 cameras or so around, and Spielberg holds this little monitor box in his hand, and he can walk around and he can do the shots on the fly, and he's exactly his own camera operator, and when he looks at the monitor, it's animated, and he can design the movie, and... From what I've read in an interview, he says it reminds him back of his Super 8 days of filmmaking, where it was just him and a camera, and he's just going out and grabbing things and, and putting it together. But of course, now, with the tools that they have, he can do some very elaborate shots that you normally could not do in a realistic handheld environment. So those kind of trick shots that Spielberg's always been famous for anyway, he's always been very creative in and playful with the camera and the angles and his editing and how things uh, flow together. So to see him let loose in a brand new environment like this, uh, of course, you got to be curious if you're a fan of Spielberg. Now, if you're just judging him based on his last film, you got a pretty good argument. But you shouldn't do that, I think, with any filmmaker of that age. And again, I always lean to the argument is, is, you know, you might look at that and go, oh, Spielberg's lost his chops or something. And I go, no, he had a weak script and he didn't have a good movie to make anything out of. So even all the skills in the world, I mean, Martin Scorsese was not going to turn that script into a good movie, you know? So I'm just saying is, I don't think he's lost his chops at all. And I think you know, seeing him let loose in this arena will certainly prove what he can do, like his friends Robert Zemeckis and, you know, James Cameron and Peter Jackson have been doing. So in terms of following this filmmaker for 35 plus years and his film grammar and, and being interested in it, uh, it better be 235. I think it is based on the trailer. I'd be pissed if it was 185. It's like, Spielberg, it's time to get back into scope. All right. The John Jansen per prerequisite. <laughs> scope. <laughs> well, heck yeah, I want to see him back in scope. And, and, you know, I have to admit, it's the trailers didn't interest me just based on the look of it. And since I didn't know the story and whatnot, I was like, uh, I don't know. It doesn't immediately jump out at me. But in a way, that makes me the perfect audience for it. It means I'm kind of going in like a blank sheet of paper, and I have nothing invested in it, which means if it's a good movie, I'll know it. I'll recognize it, and I'll enjoy it. Well, I could spend an hour ranting on movie trailers and you know, desiring to see a movie based on a movie trailer or not desiring to see a movie based on a trailer. Can you, know? you rant on one shot in a trailer that sells you on seeing a movie? <laughs> well, sure. But I mean, come on. We've, we've seen great trailers for horrible movies, and... Horrible trailers for great movies. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, all the bitching that took place when the Avatar trailer came out. It was like, roll your eyes, you know, and then, uh, you know. Yeah, the, a lot of good that bitching did. Well, yeah. You know, and then you put out a 2012 trailer that, that's, you know, just mind boggling. And then it's, you know, this rancid piece of crap. So, I mean, I think it just it doesn't have much weight anymore. I, I will never not see or see a movie probably based on. A trailer alone. I think with something like this property that comes in with a blank slate, 
you have to look at the names involved. For us, for the American audience that is unaware of this character, for us, it's all going to be about the name above uh, the title, which is going to say, you know, a, Spe- a Steven Spielberg production or film. If that holds any more weight today, that's the question because his name has been plastered on a bunch of shit that we're not happy about. You know, it's been plastered on Transformers and it's been plastered on Super 8 and it's been plastered on a, on a variety of things. Cowboys that, and aliens. Yeah, that yeah. we either find that we don't like or that we is kind of just milk toast. And you say it's like if you're going to bring this to the United States of America – uh, does that name have the the juice and the power that it once did? Now, if he's directing it, that's a whole different ballgame than if he's just an executive producer. And those in the know will do that. To me, he's still a name. He's still a draw, okay? I, I was not interested in seeing Cowboys and Aliens. I didn't see it yet. But he's not directing it either. You know what I mean? When I look at Warhorse, I don't say, ooh, you know? I say, Steven Spielberg, okay, it is a historical-looking piece. It is a... Uh, you know, a period piece, and then I say, okay, wait a minute, okay, I see, I can see that now. It, it makes makes me it throws me back to something like Empire of the Sun, okay, and then I start saying, now that's the Spielberg that I want to see again. I'm interested in seeing that. No, you're not. You're just interested in the new John Williams score. I know you. <laughs> of course, I am. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> but but I think I think with ten ten. And you know that's the big that's the big thing that's going to be happening at the end of December. There is that we're going to have two Steven Spielberg movies just in one shot, and that's a uh, that's pretty damn amazing. They do serve different demographics, so right. you can't really complain about that. Well, think about this: what if it flopped on October twenty sixth? What if it got horrible reviews and didn't do very good business? It's not. It's going to be a huge hit. I have a feeling. I don't think that's going to be at all. They know what they have. They wouldn't do this unless they were sure of themselves. But I'm just playing devil's advocate for the sake of conversation. The worldwide launch is specifically designed to as as a pre build up as as a as a you know a campaign of knowledge so that we'll know what's going on with it, right? I mean, remember that's something we've 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 talked about. A little bit lately is that we're seeing films become more of a worldwide production now. You know, we have mm-hmm. seen these films that go off and make a truckload of money. Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, worldwide explosive hit over a billion dollars in the box office. $200 million, mm-hmm. $200 million stateside. Okay, mm-hmm. it, didn't make, it didn't make the money of the previous films. Why is that? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't really been that interested, to be honest with you. I will see it, of course. It may be fine. I'm not judging the film, but I'm saying that this is a different market. And this market, this is specifically made for a worldwide audience. Well, I can tell you what it is. I mean, I have seen the film, and I don't think it has anything to do with the film itself in terms of the quality of the film. It has something to do with going to the movies and seeing a Pirates movie with Johnny Depp. But the world theatrical market has expanded tenfold. There's more theaters now and more people going to the movies in and, and places that there weren't before. I mean, Russia has more theaters now than they did, say, 10 years ago. And so there's a new market there. And it's all over. There's all kinds of territories all over the world. And why do you think they want to penetrate China so badly? They want those 6 billion people <laughs> watching American movies of course. and going to the theater. I mean, can you imagine what one film released in China that you know a billion people went to go see? Jeez, you wouldn't need to release it anywhere else. 
Well, here's the big question I have is can a blockbuster film – I'm not saying after the fact. I'm saying as it's built up to be. A film with a production budget over $150 million, let's just say that. Can it be considered a success if worldwide it makes buku dollars, but stateside in the United States, it just makes lukewarm money? I mean we've seen that happen I want to know in whose whose mind it's not a success. How does somebody justify it not being a success? Money is money. I mean you make a film print and you don't put – the, you don't pay someone to overdub it into a foreign language and to put subtitles on it to not collect the coin it's going to come in when you sell tickets. I mean that's ridiculous. What? You didn't go into production on it and, and, and create a foreign language campaign and, and a European campaign and a Japanese campaign and, and everywhere else unless you were going to count every single okay. dollar okay. that film made. But hold on. That's not what, I'm not what I'm talking about. Can you make a film only for the foreign market? No, it, yeah. Yes. By American directors. And the answer is absolutely yes. You can because it doesn't matter where the money comes from. And this is going to change the thinking in some ways, but you're already seeing it. I mean you heard about what they did with the new Red Dawn, right? Right. They had the great idea to hire you know, the, uh, that second unit director from the Bourne movies and Quantum of Solace, Dan Bradley, to make, remake John Milius's film of Red Dawn, written by Kevin Reynolds. But anyway, they go and they do a straight remake, but who are going to be the villains this time? Well, it can't be the Russians, right? No. So they make it the Chinese. Okay, great. The Chinese are the villains. They shoot the movie, but now they realize it's like, well, you know, for the foreign market, maybe having the Chinese might not be the best villains. That might hurt our foreign market um, in intake, and it'll certainly hurt us with China. And well, we don't want that. So I know. Let's digitally replace the Chinese army with North Korea. Everybody agrees they're the new bad guy, right? Easy, slam dunk, Team America style. And I have no problem believing right that North Korea could invade the United States of America. Wrong. Okay, you know, come on, that's not a threat. <laughs> You're going to have to show me something. Come on, that's ridiculous. But you get the idea that they think that will sell better because really for the American market, I don't know if it's going to be North Korea or Chinese that was going to sell more or less tickets. In terms of that concept, you could you could argue with me either way, and I'd probably let you win the argument because I don't know. But at the end of the day, they're not that concerned about the American market. They're concerned about the foreign market. Well, and that's and that's fine. I mean, and maybe they'll maybe they'll still sell us the Chinese version, right? And just change it for over there. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. You know, this kind of uh, uh, tinkering with a film for for a variety of markets. Just make the film you're going to make. And if someone's pissed off about it, well, we're sorry. If they think that, I mean, are they really thinking that they're going to insert into the Chinese market? I mean, maybe, but <laughs> come on, you know, write it the way the write it that way the first time. It's just going to be so unbelievable. Um, it's a door Hollywood has been knocking and, and trying to get into for a long time, and it's that last great market that they certainly want to try and conquer. But um, back to Tintin, it's, I think it's really smart in terms of if they can get that thing and it has already grossed $300 million before it comes out in America, 
Wouldn't that just be something? That's going to create hype and intense. It probably will make more Americans want to go see it if they heard it was a hit overseas. Well, that's and the it, intent. And it's making a lot of money. Absolutely. You that's, know? that's the whole purpose. But you got to remember, Tintin to them is like Spider-Man, right? I mean, they know this character in Europe. They know who mm-hmm. he is. And and that will completely drive this audience. I mean, if, if you're making a movie about the Arkansas Razorbacks, you're going to want to sell it in Arkansas before you try to sell it in New York. You know, mm-hmm. and, and if if the word of mouth spills across the country, then maybe someone in New York will finally see it. Um, uh, that's fine. So uh, I, I, it makes sense that they're doing this. The problem simply is what I was trying to address before. Can it sustain itself without the United States? Meaning like, OK, they release it in October and it does gangbusters numbers overseas. It comes here and it just flops. It just dies. It pulls a, a green lantern and ends its, you know, makes $40 million or something. Are you saying, do they go ahead with the Peter Jackson version? I say yes, Exactly. They do. Well, here's the question. Because here's why. Because they'll say 1010 will go to the home video market and they're going to count on the fact that if it's a good film, which we're just sort of saying that it is, even though we don't know, that it'll grow that market on home video for the first 1010 movie. And by the time Jackson come out, they're going to say we could have an Austin Powers effect to where the first movie only did eh, but then everyone really discovered it in a home video and then ballooned the sequel to even higher grosses. Well, that's the hope, I, I think. Um, what's the name of the film with the polar bears? The Golden Compass, massive hit overseas, tanked in the United States. They did not decide to make a follow-up to that, even though it's a book, very popular book series. So what's that about? I mean, that's that's the same thing. That's the flip side where they said, no, we can't do this without the United States. We can't do this without that kind of numbers, although it was a big hit uh, worldwide. Well, it's all about the math. I mean, you know, they tried to do it with the Voyage of the Dawn Treader and trying to keep that Narnia Chronicles alive. And they were really counting on the foreign audience for that one, too. Um, right. Because it was a bigger market for that. But what what you have to realize is is, is right now – if if you had a hit film and you were offered domestic or foreign, which one do you want? Absolutely foreign, for sure. I, I want foreign. Yeah. I don't want to take my yeah. chances on Americans. Hell no. Now hang on, hang on. Let me take let's let's go to the next step. Okay, now this is where it gets really interesting. Okay, so uh Hollywood says it the world is more the market is worldwide now. Okay, no longer are we beholden to uh, the United States of America. Now, I'm sorry, man, but movies that are uh, across ver- various cultures, you know, you're if you want to talk about four quadranting something, you're trying to make a worldwide hit, and and Hollywood starts patterning movies in in that such of a way, and they'll say, well, foreign audiences don't like this, foreign audiences don't think this way, United States audiences mm-hmm. may think this way. Then you're talking about a movie that's designed for a worldwide audience that may not appeal to the United States. That's an interesting thing because Hollywood has never done that before. They've always said, we're making homegrown films here. You know, we're making John Wayne movies here. So if there, gonna- there is an alternative to what you're talking about, though, and this might be an interesting path to take, is you can make alternate versions of the film. You very well could have a film that plays one way in Europe and is cut completely differently for the American audiences. We've seen that before. I mean, think about Legend and Brazil and and other things. But uh, it's not unrealistic in this day and age, in the the day and age of multiple cuts and versions of films, to intentionally shoot scenes 
to placate the foreign audience that won't even be in the domestic version, won't have anything to do with it. You know, maybe even write some lines of dialogue that reference something. You know what I'm talking about? Right. And for a certain demographic and whatnot. I mean, and literally calculate, you know, different (laughs) variations and versions. I mean, I know when Oliver Stone cut... Any given Sunday, he had to cut a different version of it for the European audiences because they just don't know and not into football. Yeah, it was rugby in the same way. <laughs> so you know, it I was, mean, I've never seen it, that it was version soccer. of the film. Yeah, they changed the whole sport. <laughs> <laughs> Goal! Uh, but uh, well, I don't know. I mean, that 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 very well could be true in just terms of. You know, it would be the ultimate programming of film. It's like you make a film. Think about that. If you could do that in the United States, it's like you make a film and say, I'm going to have one cut for the West Coast. I'm going to have one cut for the East Coast. (laughs) And I'm going to have a different cut for Middle America, you know. And there might be different line variations and whatnot. Same story, more or less. The soundtrack might be different for the West Coast version as opposed to the East Coast version and whatnot. But literally, you put out the same movie in multiple demographics and it's all out there and everybody gets a version. And then it all builds you know? up. It all builds up to the giant fact that art is fucking dead, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> Well, art has been compromised. I mean, art has been calculated now and put into this uh, sort of think tank to try and, and put it out in, in mathematical ways. Well, let's just call it what it is. Please demographics. What you're talking about is product, and you're trying to tailor-made a product for a specific audience. It's what Hollywood's been doing a lot of times when we start talking about Four Quadrant. We start talking about demographics. Hollywood's been doing that for a long time. But at the very least, it's been within this little cubbyhole of the United States. They'll say, well, we, what do American teenage boys want to watch? Okay, But now, if we're starting to say, you know, what do... Uh, you know, people in Thailand want to see uh, with mm-hmm. this American-made uh, film that's supposed to take place in Los Angeles. You know, mm-hmm. and if if that's the case, I mean, you really—I mean, I st- I start thinking about you, you ever get those uh, when you're listening to a local radio station and a national figure will come on there and say, "Hey, this is Bill O'Reilly, and you're listening to Houston, you know, KTRK." And he sit, and you know what he does? He sits there and does forty of those in one sitting, right? So right. I can imagine Johnny Depp with 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 you know four pages of lines. You know, it's like okay, Johnny, we're going to record this one now for the people in uh, uh, right. Soviet, you know, ex-Soviet Georgia. You know what I mean? <laughs> or or you know, uh, uh, the the west coast of Australia. You know, can can you now? There's always a great outtake in this is Spinal Tap where they're they're trying to record one of those promos for a radio station and they just can't get it right. Hi, we're Spinal Tap, and New York's, York's no hellhole as, as long as you keep rocking with the big six. You know, <laughs> they do it over and over and over, and they just keep fucking it right. up. It's really so you, funny. So you basically have you know uh, people trying to tailor make these films for certain things. You know, it's like maybe someone's making a a, a sandwich with jelly, and then uh, for the for the uh, Australian. They'll, they'll they'll pull the jelly out and put in a can of uh, Vegemite, you know, and it's just it's like fucking come on. When does it end? You know, trying to tailor make this thing. It always comes back down to William Goldman's quote. I mean, if there was a, a computer program that you could just pour information in and it would spit out the perfect movie that would always that would 
always win Oscars and always gross a lot of money, everyone would do that. You know, it just it doesn't happen. Nobody knows. And you never know what's going to cross over and have appeal. I mean, who could have predicted Crocodile Dundee? True. In its day and age in that way. And there's sometimes the oddness. I mean, I think about a film like The Commitments or but there you are know what? always going the fact, to be. But the cultural differences is what made that exciting. The fact that we didn't well, exactly. know shit about the outback, that we didn't know shit about Australia, and then this, you know, kind of cartoon character comes over here with a ass not a knife and does well, all sure. that. Well, we love that. Yeah. Same with the commitments. That's all about, you know, you know, that culture breaking in. I remember when we see when we saw once, you know, it's like you get that whole culture. Mm-hmm. That's that's exciting. Not taking a product and watering it down so it's like a fucking KFC in every city. Think about that. You can go to a McDonald's and it's the same here and it's the same in Paris and it's the same in New York. Right. You know what I mean? If if we're gonna make movies like that to to feel like they were all made in your neighborhood, fuck that. You know, I mean, come on. I understand that we're not there, but we're and we're taking it to the extreme, really. But it's it's ridiculous. Ridiculous to even think that way because if that's the case and they want to w- head to that direction, that's just trouble. It's just more further down the road than we want to go because, again, take it back. What What is it that we're about in the beginning is hire someone with a vision, hire a director and let him make his vision. Don't take it and chop it and change it. I mean – Again, like I said, the art of it will be dead. It's the simple fact that we have lost that vision. That's what we're all about when we talk about going back to you know someone like Coppola making Apocalypse Now is that he's creating a film. I hope that something like 1010 will be a Steven Spielberg film, not something where they say, well, we're just going to make this thing that hopefully appeals to every motherfucker in the world. Let's just make a, Steven, a movie that appeals to Steven Spielberg, and if he likes it, then hopefully I like it. He tends to have a four-quadrant Midas touch anyway for certain type of stories. And if not, he tries to whip them into shape where it'll it'll you know get in that missing quadrant. Um, he's always been that way. I mean, he's, he's one, arguably one of the most popular filmmakers of all time. I mean, like the Beatles in, in that kind of sense. So we've, we've always been with Spielberg in, in the various types of entertainments. I mean, there was a time where Steven Spielberg Presents was a brand. It's not around anymore because it wasn't Steven Spielberg Presents Cowboys and Aliens. That wasn't that. It was just executive producer Steven Spielberg. It's not Steven Spielberg Presents Transformers. But it was Steven Spielberg Presents Back to the Future, Presents Young Sherlock Holmes. So there were different ages where, you know, he was just one of the top commercial filmmakers and he had a real feel for material that people would want to see. And he knew what the success of a – the difference between a successful movie and a successful movie that didn't make money that was maybe artistically successful but it, it didn't reach an audience and didn't make money was heart was reaching the audience's heart and, and, and touching them in some way and engaging them emotionally some way, somewhere in the material. And he knew that could be the difference in box office or no box office. And uh, it's it's been a, a trait that he's uh, sprinkled onto many projects, varying degrees of success. But uh, it seems like Tintin is right in his wheelhouse in terms of an action-adventure story that has the potential for a character that could have a lot of heart and and emotion. And like we were talking about, it's a brand-new technology for him to play in. So it's kind of a a thing to to check out. I'm excited for Tintin only that, like you said, it's Spielberg in a new playground. 
I want to see him come back. I can tell you that this movie adds major points because the name Peter Jackson is involved. I see that Edgar Wright helped write it. Joe Cornish helped write it, who is a new guy who made one of, I think, the best movies of 2011 with Attack the Block. So again, for me, for film fans, I think in the United States, if we're not familiar for 1010, we are going to line up for this thing, possibly, based on names, based on monikers. We benefit the most, really. If you think about it, because we go in as a blank and we can we can experience it. We have no expectations. You know, we have no, oh, that one's from that story and this piece is from that story. And why did they do it this way? We're not even going to be thinking about that. We're just going to be enjoying a brand new movie and experience. If we don't know the source material, you know, have we not read the book, then it's a different thing. When we all went to see Captain America, we, were, we knew what the hell Captain America was. You know, when we go see Green Lantern, we know what Green Lantern is. So we say, well, how does it compare to the comic? How does it compare? With this, we won't have that opportunity. Now, we say that's a good thing, but at the same time, flip back to the beginning of the show when you started talking about that was the thing that drew people away, that said, I don't know what the hell this is. If you and I were feeling that in the beginning, I guarantee you a truckload of people will be will be believing that as uh, this thing starts rolling out in December. This It's just all those people, though, are forgetting a time in their life when that was never an issue to go see a movie, ever. That's right. And that's what, and that's what you were going so to see. So they need to ask themselves, why are they thinking that way? Is it, they just, is it because they think the animation and the dead eyes and it doesn't look good? Okay, there's a good debate and argument there because they're deliberately not showing a lot of talking in the trailers, if you notice. But also understand, also understand this. The campaign hasn't begun yet. Trust oh, me. No. The cam- once no. the campaign this, this begins, this thing won't start in America until November. I mean, right. There's a bunch of children's films. I mean, that was the Happy Feeds coming out. There's a couple more, all coming out in November. That's just going to clog all the screens. And it's probably a good idea that they didn't put Tintin out early, and they're, they're going to get the that late December and then have it run into January is what they're hoping. Well, and they uh, want to be that so. magical Christmas movie too. You know that right. movie? The, the one family quadrant right. movie where grandma can go to. Absolutely. Although, you know, Absolutely. I don't know if grandma wants to go see a cartoon like this, but you never know. So. It is Steven Spielberg, and even grandma remembers Steven Spielberg. Well, it's that thing on Christmas morning. You've wrapped your presents. You've had lunch, and then everyone says, well, what do you want to do? Let's go to the movies. What are we going to go see? Did you know there's a new Steven Spielberg movie out with Peter Jackson involved? That's a perfect Christmas no, movie. but I do know about the feel-bad movie of Christmas. Let's go see that. <laughs> The feel bad movie of Christmas. <laughs> That's what I want. What Santa Claus? What Bad Santa Two? Oh, Dragon Tattoo. I think that the the opening it for its market that does see it as a brand is probably a smart idea on the studio's part. I think that they will slowly start trying to make this uh, a known co- uh, commodity in the United States. Over time, over these next two months? I don't see how it loses money in that market right now. It's so lucrative. And the fact that Pirates did so well in that market. I mean, this thing is going to be a blockbuster before it opens, well, if all goes maybe. well. And, it's all and word if of the mouth. film is good and it works. Well, it's all word of mouth. I mean, it could suck. You know what I mean? Spielberg has made some That's suck That's what money. I mean. If it sucks, it'll hurt domestic box office considerably. To make big money here, it has got to make massive money over there. Right, so when when the word comes out that it's made massive money over there, 
then it will leak to here and then there will be this anticipation, right? It's, it's, you know, it, it'll be like, Ooh, what's this? We don't know what this is. We, you know, maybe it'll be something great. I mean, come on. Wasn't that what Avatar was all about? No one knew shit about Avatar, but they were like, Oh, but it's supposed to be technical and this and that. And there's so much and James Cameron and all. I mean, come on. This is the same type deal. People don't know anything about it, but there will be this anticipation based on what his, what at the very least is going to start happening on October 26th overseas. So, you know, smart ideas for the studios. I think, like you said, I mean, I don't want to chastise people by saying, oh, Tintin, I don't know anything about it. I mean, uh, but you are right. I mean, we don't need, I, I don't want us to be a, a society where everything has to be so fucking spoon fed to us, where, you know, it's like someone has to come and knock on your door and, and sell you for 15 minutes on going and seeing 1010. It's like, hi, we're from the studio and we'd like to tell you about 1010. You know, do you have a couple minutes of your time? It'll be like Mormons coming to the door. Uh, they're going to try to do that. The response and the anticipation, I think, I would hope that we will become a society again where our heads can be clear and we can simply look at how they're trying to sell it to us and say, okay, I'm either interested or not interested. But not just say, well, I'm not going to see it because I don't know. Come on. You may you may skip something that will be your favorite movie of all time because you've just written it off because you don't well, you know. You don't know about any movie until you see it. Well, no, they know and about Spy- – come on. They do know. Hollywood is trying their best. Well, no, no. They know about a character they like, but they don't know if it's going to be their favorite movie or not. You never know until you, you see gotta remember, it. you got to remember, we're raised right now. The last 15 years has all been about – Making sure that we know exactly what we get when we walk in the door. Hey, we're going to go see Thor. We know exactly what that is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even with a movie like The Rock, you know what you're going to get with The Rock. It's a diehard movie. It was prepackaged and designed to sell you something. I know, but I mean, with all the constant remakes, all the constant sequels, all the constant making toys, movies out of toys. I'm trying to say it goes beyond remakes and sequels and redos. It just goes on down to rip-offs also. Sure. It's all about designing and selling you something that you already know. It's it's a prepackaged commodity. It's an exp- it's a ride that you've been on before, but now it's called the Batman ride. Well, last year it was called, you know, something else, but now it's called this. Well, same ride. Then you know what? Hats off to Spielberg and company and Peter Jackson for saying we have the courage to make something that at least the United States doesn't know anything about. We're going to make a big budget movie that is going to, we're going to have to sell there because we don't know if they're going to instantly know it or not. Because come on, that's the that's what's on the menu, man. You open the menu and everything is is stuff that you know already, right? So some you know that's that can be only good. Now that they already have a property that you know can give them big buku dollars overseas and around the world is just good for them. Coming to us, at least it's fresh. So, you know, let's just hope that it's good. I mean, you know, I think at the end we can just simply sit on that and say, you know, if you're going to bring it, let's hope that it's good because you just you, – you, we don't know until we see it, obviously. But uh, – Well, one thing that's been traditionally clear is that a good movie will travel. Absolutely. That should be the number one issue. Should be. You're listening to the Hollywood Saloon.